You're listening to the Overtime Ireland American Football Podcast. Brought to you in association with OvertimeIreland.com. Now, here's the OTI guys. Hello and welcome back to the OTI Podcast. Myself, Colin Kelly, as always, bringing you the show. Um, my partner here is Doug Moore and he's joining me on the line at the moment. I, uh, over the last few weeks, you'll have noticed that Doug has, uh, you know, I've mentioned that he's been giving me stick off air about the intro, trying to change it up, and I changed it up a little bit on today's uh, intro, and uh, Doug promptly laughed at uh, me for about 30 seconds, so I've gone back to the old way, and uh, Doug, how are you? Uh, did you enjoy that intro? I, I did, I did. Are you gonna Are you going to let that be on the podcast? It's draft week! Oh boy. <laughs> <laughs> that one's staying. The first one was followed by uh, r- rupturous laughter. I just, I don't know. It's you know, if that's the case, I don't know. Maybe you should just stick with the with the old one. I mean, I I mean, if 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 something if it ain't broke, why fix it? But I mean, it's just. Uh, obviously, uh, it is NFL Draft Week. Uh, we're recording this on Wednesday, and the draft is starting day one is Thursday. Then we have Friday, Saturday as well. So uh, Doug is actually going to be heading up to Foxborough, as we mentioned on last week's podcast, to uh, cover the NFL Draft up with the New England Patriots. Uh, Doug, uh, when, are you looking forward to that, obviously? I am. I'm very excited. I'm actually going to be going uh, on Friday and Saturday, like you mentioned. Uh, normally, you would go on Thursday, but the Patriots... Traded away all their picks. Don't have a first-round selection there. So they did trade away all their picks. So there's no media availability as of right now. Obviously, something would have changed. And obviously, you know, my plans could change. But, yeah, the plan is right now I'll actually be heading to Gillette. Um, I will have a a glass uh, up against the the war room door and hopefully hear what the Patriots are doing. But I will be covering the the day two and day three of the draft uh, for the Patriots for Scout. Um, So I'm excited. It's going to be a lot of fun. Yeah, it should, should be great. Uh, now, uh, obviously, on today's show, we're going to be talking about the draft, and uh, we have a great guest uh, lined up. He's going to be joining us in just a few moments. It's John Ledyard. Uh, he works as well at Inside the Pylon, and uh, you know he does the Locked on NFL Draft podcast as well. So uh, I'm really looking forward to getting some of his takes. We did record it prior to recording this intro, and there's lots of great information and lots of technical details as well regarding. We talked we talked quite a bit of defensive players, so we did. We talked about the quarterbacks as well and some of the news of uh, you know failed drugs tests at the Combine and so on. So really looking forward to sharing that with you in just a few minutes. Obviously, when I start the podcast, I always like to give a plug to our iTunes page, you know, Stitcher, TuneIn, all the ways you can listen to the podcast. Uh, make sure if you're a regular listener, if this is your first time listening to the show, make sure you go and subscribe. Uh, it saves you having to wait that extra kind of 30 minutes for it to pop up on iTunes for you. It just makes it a little bit simpler. It goes straight into your, your phone, whatever you're listening to it on your iPad, and uh, you can listen to the shows then weekly as uh, we record weekly podcasts with uh, great guests each and every week with myself and Doug. So we plan to continue going on through the off season, and uh, you know I, I hope that you continue to join us. So make sure you do subscribe. But I want to take this opportunity to remind all the listeners of this special promotion code we have, OTI10, to get 10% off all orders at europe.nflshop.com. Uh, you have heard of nflshop.com. Well, this is the European equivalent. Uh, all the same branded merchandise really have everything covered that you want to get, uh, all the new area gear and so on and so forth there. Uh, get some new merchandise ahead of the NFL draft. Or even after, if you're waiting for after the NFL draft, this code will still be valid. All you have to do at checkout is use the code OTI10, type it in there, you'll save 10% off your entire order on the website. The website is europe.nflshop.com, that code is OTI10, grab yourself some merch. So with all the plugs out of the way, let's get uh, John on the show uh, to talk all about tomorrow's NFL Draft. 
Hi, this is Ross Tucker, and you're listening to the Overtime Ireland Podcast. So delighted to be joined now on the podcast by John Ledyard. Uh, a lot of our listeners will know him from doing uh, the Inside the Pylon podcast and lots of other great work that he does, uh, of course, with Inside the Pylon, writing articles regarding the NFL draft. He works as well with Fan Rag Sports, uh, the Breaking the Plane podcast, and of course, the Locked On Draft podcast, which I just uh, listened to the latest episode uh, earlier this week and uh, really enjoyed it. Uh, it is John Ledyard. Uh, thanks for jumping aboard the show. Hey, for sure. Thank you guys for having me. I really appreciate it. No problem. Obviously, John, uh, we're now, this has been recorded Wednesday uh, night, 5 p.m. Eastern time, and uh, the draft is uh, t- kicking off on Thursday. And I don't know if you're in the same boat as me. I tweeted it out earlier today. I'm just ready for the draft to uh, come and go, and let's find out where these guys are all going to land. We've kinda, we're going to do it today again on the show, and thankfully, though, it is uh, the last preview. So are you, are you ready to just see where these guys fall in the draft? Yeah, for sure. I mean, the, the process is awesome. It's fun every year. I know we always end up, you know, complaining at the end that, yeah, oh, let's yeah. just have the draft get here. But, man, every second of this is fun, you know. And we, as soon as it's over, we want to do it again. And, and we already start on next year. And then we realize we got a long break. And so we, we cool off a little bit over the summer. But, yeah, I mean, this is this is a blast. This whole process is a blast. It's a blessing for those of us who get to be able to do it, uh, that we get to be able to cover something like this um, to the extent that we do and just have a lot of fun with it. So yes, I am really looking forward to uh, the last, the next couple of days, but I've also enjoyed the entire process so far. Yeah, it's very interesting. And it's the same, you know, once the draft's over, we'll start talking about the prospects, where they land, maybe how they're going to do in the NFL, how they're going to do in regards to fantasy football, how it affects other players. And then by the time it gets to kind of the, the second week in August, we're just like, oh, we need to, we need to get the, this kicked off and have the season start. But, you know, everyone jokes as well about preseason. Nobody's going to watch preseason. Then once the preseason starts, we'll all be watching it too. So we, we always have uh, these little complaints. But uh, again, we all do it because uh, we love the right. sport so much. Uh, getting into the news of this, kind of past week earlier or this week and uh, then over the last two days uh, the second news came out but they're both to do with the diluted samples at the nfl combine the first one that came out was uh, alabama linebacker reuben foster and then the latest one that came out was a uh, michigan linebacker slash kind of safety hybrid there's a lot of people kind of projecting where he'll play in the nfl's uh, jabril peppers obviously it's gonna hurt both guys draft stock a lot of the time we don't hear about these uh, samples not been leaked out to the media but on this occasion these two have how much do you think it's going to affect i'll let you go first with uh reuben foster and then uh, i'll let you go with jibriel peppers after um i think it'll affect a little bit uh, with, with reuben foster it's probably more substantial because you've got a situation with him where you know there was already some stuff out there yeah. uh obviously a tough upbringing and i think he i think he has from everybody that i've talked to that's been around him in alabama or knows people around him in alabama they say he has come a long way since he was first there um, I don't know whether they would say, I'll go to bat, they don't ever get in trouble again. Um, but I think that he has come a long way and he really does love football. I don't think you're worried about that with Ruben Foster, um, with his focus being there. I just think the crowd and the lifestyle that he grew up in is going to be different than the one the NFL is going to ask him to live uh, in some ways. This is according to teams. I don't have any you know perspective on this. but So I, I think that there's going to be some speculation with him that this could be a guy that's in trouble again and suspended and things like that and now you're in the program so you know for me it didn't really change anything because it's a diluted sample and it's really the nfl's stupid rule more than anything you know if there were drugs found that's a different story you know so i think that uh, not that you take it with a grain of salt but i just think that for for me personally it wasn't enough to change anything on my evaluation of him now teams how they see it 
you know, that's going to depend on how they feel about taking those kind of a risks, I think, because he's more of a risk with Peppers. At least for everything I've heard and can gather, I, I don't think this is a guy that many people expected to have those kind of issues, you know, very dedicated and driven, work ethic oriented. And um, I, I don't think many people expected him to have off the field distractions. Uh, I've never heard that mentioned. And all the people I've talked to, the bottom of his character is always held up very highly uh, without question. So it seems like teams are going to be able to write that one off a little bit easier. But I think he was already a fringe first round guy. So yeah. I certainly wouldn't surprise me if he goes to anywhere from 20 to 32. But I'm not going to bank on it either. Yeah, and uh, we're going to finish up with uh, on this part with two more kind of guys that got themselves into trouble over the, the last kind of week, and then we'll get into to talking about some of the different prospects. But Florida defensive tackle Caleb Brantley uh, was charged with a misdemeanor battery following a physical alter altercation with a woman on April 13th. So he was kind of projected to maybe be in that top 50 pick, so that's obviously going to hurt him. There has been some reports that he could possibly go undrafted. And then the other one was... Gary and Connolly as well, uh, the cornerback, and you know he he over the past week has been uh, there's been allegations of a rape that took place, and obviously him and his agent have come out and uh, strongly denied those allegations. But just coming up to draft week, obviously people are kind of trying to everything's coming out, everything kind of throwing muck at the wall to see what sticks, and there's no doubt about it uh, that when these allegations come up, it definitely puts the teams to to have a second thought. How much with those two guys do you think uh, as well that that there could affect them coming up you know, over the next three or four days? Yeah, two interesting situations. I mean, both obviously awful if they're true. Um, Brantley's situation seems like he's a little bit more uh, – I think his situation's a little more likely to, to, to really tank his stock because of a couple things. Um, I think the consensus that I've heard talking to people is that it's probably true and that the NFL team's – this isn't his first time being in some type of questionable situation. I don't know if it's compared to this, but um, I, he's admitted that he's lazy. He's admitted that his work ethic isn't good. There's clear times on the field where he doesn't give effort. I think he's a, an early second round player when you just take you know the positives in, into the picture. But when you take all that in, I mean, here's a guy that has off the, an off the field issue already. So he's getting in trouble negatives. currently. Yeah, just too many negatives, and 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 I don't know. It, to be if he goes undrafted, it wouldn't surprise me at all based on this recent incident. I mean, teams aren't going to want to roll the dice on that. Is he? Is there a chance he goes? If he does, he probably goes day three. I think it'd just be crazy to see him off come off the board day two. Um, with Conley's situation, it's all or nothing, you know, to me I, based on what we know right now, and I know very very little. So I'll just you know preface this by saying that, but. Obviously, if teams are doing their research and calling people and trying to find out everything they can and, and there's any indication that he's guilty or just or really any doubt that he might someday be guilty or this may have you know any type of effect on him at all, teams are going to not draft him. So he could go undrafted or teams could or one team could say, you know, we've done our due diligence here. We don't think where they had a connection where they felt confident in it where they got information, you know, and, and they feel confident that they can pick him. Um, so. I don't know how that situation is going to play out, but you know, I, I think he could go. I think I would be surprised at this point to see him in the first round, but we'll see what comes out over the next 24 hours. Um, but he could go. But if some team feels confident and feel like they had a source that you know that led them to truth on the matter, and they don't feel like there's any substance to this, then you know he's going to go. He could go second round. I don't know why he wouldn't um, at the very least. And then if, if the opposite happens and teams feel like there's legs to this or they can't get any information, they're just not going to draft him. Um, so it, it's a rough situation for Conley if he didn't do anything because 
now he, I mean, this is going to drastically affect his life uh, on the word of you know one person that can't be substantiated in time. So um, that's awful from that perspective, but even more awful if this in fact did happen, you know, Conley should never play again and he should be in prison for the rest of his life in my opinion. So you've got really two drastic um, opposite ends of the spectrum in this situation, but you know, that's how seriously both of these situations are going to be taken by teams that both of these guys have a chance to go undrafted. Yeah, exactly. If you look at with Connolly, if it is a case that the the allegations are true, uh, there's no way any NFL team can draft him. But then again, if the if he has said they're completely uh, you know unfounded and false, and if they are unfounded and false, it is just you know uh, somebody trying to get at him. It's obviously a terrible situation for him, but uh, that's up to the NFL teams to get and uh, get to the bottom of it over the next couple of days. John, I I think obviously when you look at. Um you know, some of the earlier headlines for this draft class, they've sort of dissipated in everything that's come up recently. You know, you talk about Conley, you talk about uh, Brantley, you talk about Peppers and, and Foster. Um, I wanted to get your take on it. I know you've spoken on it before, and I know what you feel about it, but I'm just curious as we're, you know, almost 24 hours away now. Crazy to think. What is your stance on where you think Joe Mixon is going to go? Obviously, and I said this last night in another podcast I was on, I think he's the most talented running back in this class. Now, people argue about it. Talent-wise, I think he's uh, one of the top, if not the top guy. Um, where, where do you think, obviously, with everything that's going on and him sort of being under the radar uh, because, you know, his his incident was, was so long ago and, and it's really been on the back burner compared to everything else, just how things go. Where do you where do you think he goes? Do you think he slips into the first round or is it like what most people are saying that's going to be uh, potentially a second round uh, second round pick? I'm not the only one to say this, but I don't think he gets past uh, Cincinnati in the second round, and he could very well go before Cincinnati picks in the second round. So he'll go somewhere in those first, what is that, 10 picks in the second round. Um, right or wrong, that's what's going to happen, I think. you know, Nobody wants to take him in the first round because the first round pick gets trotted out in front of the press every day, and they talk for forever, and I don't think anybody wants that type of negative publicity. But either way, you're getting some negative publicity. I mean, there's no... Not shying away from that. That video is going to play just about everywhere in whatever city he gets drafted in. So I think he should be undrafted. The NFL doesn't share the same moral compass, and so he's going to probably go in the first 10 picks in the second round. Right. You know, you talk about these, these teams, and, you know, it's really just a matter of what teams have taken them off his uh, off their board, you know, altogether and what haven't. You bring up Cincinnati, great point. I think they brought him in for a visit, if I'm not mistaken, and there have been reports that, you know, Mike Brown, the owner of that team, has taken chances. I, I've spoken out against it a couple of times. You know, you take a you take a look at guys like Vontez Perfect, you know, Adam Jones, Jeremy Hill. Even when he came out, he yeah. was there were some questions about him as well, and they did take him. So I've also seen uh, Philadelphia as well. So uh, definitely interesting to see. Um, you know, we saw today, and, and obviously maybe it's just a matter of a smoke screen. Uh, they were ta- I think it was Albert Breer who said this, uh, talking about, uh, or maybe it was uh, Ian Rappaport, uh, about Davis Webb, where, and this is kind of foolish, but I, I think it's still <laughs> worth bringing up because we've probably talked to death on so many other topics. Um, they are talking about uh, Davis Webb out of, of Cal today, and, and obviously a guy who, probably not in that top three when you think about quarterbacks, but now they're saying that he could be you know a guy in that first round. And I think the quote was, Dak like intangibles um <laughs> i have to laugh at that but i'm just <laughs> curious as as we're literally a day from the draft now where do you see uh, and obviously it being so unpredictable how many quarterbacks do you see being taken in the first round and and, and if you don't mind 
Uh, going beyond that, who do you think is taken in the first round? I think four quarterbacks will go in the first round. Davis Webb won't be one of them, but he's probably going to go in the first 15 to 20 picks in the second round. And he could go 33 to Cleveland uh, if they don't take one in the first round. I think Cleveland takes one in the first round. I don't know how you have first two first-round picks and a quarterback need as big as they do. And there's a good chance that three of the four quarterbacks at least are on the board. If you stay at 12, you can trade up if you want to get one. I just think there's no way. How do you go through that those picks and not take a quarterback? Um, the mock draft I just finished up, that is my last predictive mock draft. I had the Bills trading up to three to get Mitch Trubisky. I think somebody's going to try and jump up or the Bears will take him. So either way, I think Trubisky goes off the board in the first five picks. I had the Bills jumping up because I think the Bears will be cool with trading down and seeing if Deshaun Watson's on the board. Um, but I actually had Solomon Thomas falling, so I had the Bears kind of jumped on him at 10. And so that made the next quarterback come off the board to Cleveland at 12, and that was Patrick Mahomes. I think Mahomes is definitely – um, he's got to improve his decision-making and some other things. Um, but I don't worry about the mechanics as much as other people do. Um, I don't worry about it mentally like other people do. I, those are two areas I'm not, I don't really care that much about. I think he needs to be more consistent with his mechanics. I don't care if they're traditional or not because he has an untraditional arm, so I'm not going to ask him to be someone he's not. You know, This guy can do things other quarterbacks can't, so don't ask him to throw the way they all do uh, when he has a more elite uh, physical skill set. So he's got that type of ability uh, to be a star in that way with his arm and, and with a lot of the intangibles that he brings to the position as well. But I, I worry about his decision-making. I worry about his high variance play those things that can change for him. You know, he, he should have had more interceptions than Watson did at Texas tech. I mean, he made way too many questionable throws every game. Everybody wants to talk about the highlight reel throws that he makes, but there are a lot of throws that are right into coverage. Those Hail Mary throws that he whips up down the field if those guys could play defensive back and they weren't in the Big 12, man, like in the NFL, those are going to be turnovers and and they're not going to be on the highlight reel like they were in college. So he's got to start making better decisions. And in the NFL, he's going to realize quickly, yes, he has a great skill set, but there's a lot of talented defenders on the other side of the ball too. He's going to learn quickly. Life isn't quite as easy when you're not dicing up Big 12 defenses. So I love his skill set. I love what he brings to the table. Uh, based on tape and everything I know, I can only give him an early second round grade, but he's a court, you know, I, I grade without the positional value. So as a quarterback, if he goes top 15, I can get on board with it uh, because of the importance of the position and the, and, and what he offers at that spot. So I like Mahomes a lot to, to, to Cleveland. Um, and then I think my next quarterback off the board was Deshaun Watson to the Texans. Uh, the reports are out there that they've loved his, his workout when he came to meet with them. They're blown away by him. Bill O'Brien needs to win now. Deshaun Watson is the most NFL-ready quarterback, I think. Um, he brings a lot of really good things to the table for that offense. Um, so he's going to be able to plug right in, I think. We'll compete with Savage, but I expect Watson to win that battle. Even if he doesn't, it's probably just because he's a rookie and they want to see what Savage offers. Eventually, Watson would be the guy there, I think, and he would. T- t- he could. He could definitely, with that team being as talented as they are, he could lead that team to an AFC South title uh, even early on in his career. I think he has that type of ability. Then I had the 49ers trading back up into the end of the first round to get Deshaun Kaiser. I think that Shanahan's going to love his potential and fine with keeping him behind uh, Brian Hoyer for a year. Um, letting him develop, letting him clean up his mechanics and go from there. So I think those four guys will go in the first round. I think a team will trade back up for Kaiser probably if he's falling because they want to get that 50-year option on him. As a developmental guy, you want to make sure you have that um, so you get more years of experience with him under your belt before you can decide whether you want to re-sign him to to a new deal or not. So um, I think those four go in the first round, and then I think sometime in the second round you'll probably see Webb and potentially Peterman come off the board. Uh, when you look at uh, this past week, there's been a lot of talk with uh, the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel, uh, kind of the poll they done with the 
you know, NFL scouts. And uh, you mentioned there Deshaun Kaiser possibly going to the 49ers at the end of the first round. Uh, nine out of 16 scouts polled in that uh, suggested that he was the most uh, draft-eligible quarterback likeliest to bust this year. Would you agree with that, or do you think that's uh, a bit harsh on, on Kaiser? I think that's fair. Yeah, he's my fourth quarterback. I have him as a mid to late second round grade in a vacuum. I like a lot of what Kaiser brings to the table. I don't worry about him mentally being able to handle things. I don't think that's a concern with Kaiser. I think he's a bright kid. I think he knows the football really well. I don't, I don't, I'm not concerned about that like other people are. What I'm concerned about with him is lower body mechanics uh, need work. Accuracy is a real big issue right now. Um, timing's a real big issue. Um, he does have the arm to stretch the field, but highly inconsistent in that capacity. I think his pocket movement generally good, but he froze up a lot on tape, and I worry about that happening in the NFL when things are moving faster. So Kaiser is the one that of the three of the top four quarterbacks that I would say I, I don't want him to play right away. And if you put too much on him right away, and I'll say this about Mitchell Trubisky too, if you put too much on Trubisky right away, I think you worry about losing both of those guys because they need to have their confidence built up. They don't have a ton of experience, or in Kaiser's case, his confidence wasn't built up at Notre Dame at all. You know, Brian Kelly, I think, deserves a lot more flack than he's getting for his job there. He did really poor work with Kaiser, I thought. Um, and so. Those guys need to be built up and cultivated and brought along. Mahomes and Watson, those are mentally tough dudes who are more ready to step into an NFL huddle and take charge, and I don't worry about that as much with them. But with Kaiser and Trubisky, I think you've got to be careful how you bring them along, that you cultivate an offense around them, that you build them up simpler concepts to more complex concepts, more vertical concepts, tougher reads, seven steps drops, things like that. You know, I think you've got to help them as much as you can early on. Let them get used to the pace. Let them get used to easy. And maybe you lose some games, you know, whatever. The 49ers, Browns, whatever these teams, you know, they're not, not going to win this year anyway. You know, it's not going to be, they're not going to the playoffs this year. So that's okay. Maybe you lose some games, but you keep your quarterback's confidence. You keep his growth trajectory on the right track. And I think eventually the payoff with all four of these quarterbacks is the potential to be pretty big. Yeah, and it's interesting with, uh, you know, maybe a month ago there was a lot of people downplaying this quarterback class, and there is still in the media a lot of people downplaying it, but, you know, you mentioned there with uh, your your final uh, draft board that you did that uh, five quarterbacks would go in the top 50 of that there, so you start to see that, uh, you know, this class, there is a lot of potential there, but a lot of them probably need those years to develop, and sometimes that's the problem uh, with first-round picks and early draft picks, you don't get that time to develop. Uh, next question up on that there is with uh, Warren Sapp's comments over the last couple of days on Miles Garrett and he pretty much said that he, he thinks that Miles Garrett's pretty lazy he's had his splash plays but he just doesn't see what he what he's going to do when he gets to the field he said he disappears a lot in the tape um, you know obviously there has been those splash plays and there's been limited plays then in between but uh, do you think Sapp's just trying to, to get some publicity with this or do you, do you uh, feel the same way on Miles Garrett? Yeah he's always trying to get publicity but um, <laughs> I think that I don't think I think he's just trying to I mean, he's just trying to get a soundbite. Uh, having yeah, said that, you know, just even steering away from Sap a little bit, but just to the general, the general thought behind the statement, I think is one that we've heard other people repeat for for better or worse is that Miles Garrett is I don't, I don't think lazy is the right word. A little bit soft. Not he's not a dog. Whatever you want to whatever expression you want to use to describe him and his play style. I don't think Miles Garrett is as mean as Ryan Anderson on the field. You know. Oh, I'm not worried about that either. I don't care. Not every guy has to be. That's fine. You know, DeMarcus Ware's never been accused of that, but he had a pretty good career. I mean, you could list a number of guys that have never been accused of that. Clowney, they talked about the same thing. He looked okay last year. Um, but Clowney was actually, they said that, you know, if he loved football or cared enough in the offseason, I don't think anyone questions Miles Garrett's work ethic or, or demeanor in the way or anything like that. I mean, he's all around the facility. That dude's body looks like a god. I mean, god. 
I don't think anyone's question that aspect of things with Garrett. I think it's people questioning him on the field a little bit and saying, but this guy isn't a guy that wants to bang and grind, you know, in the trenches. He's going to wear down. He's going to want to step away from football after before other people will. Whatever, yada, yada. I can't speak to any of that. I know that Miles Garrett's going to be a great player in the NFL as long as that developmental curve continues for him. Um, I think what you see with Miles Garrett is you see great technique. Um, against the run, great awareness against the run. And as a pass rusher, he needs a plan of attack more often. But the guy played on a hurt ankle all year long when he knew he was probably going to be the number one pick. Um, and he didn't do that for himself. He did that for his team. And he played in the bowl game, even though he wasn't 100%. And that's more than you can say for Fournette and McCaffrey and these other guys. So I don't understand where the criticism's coming for from for Miles Garrett, but those guys are not getting – I mean, no one said anything negative about them. And I don't think they should. I don't think there's any – I don't have any issue with Fournette and McCaffrey but just the principle thing, those guys are, you know, oh, Fournette was a little banged up, yada, yada. McCaffrey wasn't banged up at all, I don't think, and, and just decided to sit out. Well, if you're going to criticize someone, you'll criticize those. Don't criticize Garrett. He played hurt when he didn't need to, when he knew he was going to be the number one pick. Um, you know, so to me, those those toughness questions are totally unfounded. And, I mean, if you look at the evidence that's out there, the only things that are out there to suggest is that Garrett is, is tough as nails and will have his teams back even when he doesn't need to. Then that's the kind of guy I want at number one. Yeah, I mean, obviously, you know, it, it's funny enough, you know, you, you talk about Garrett, you think he'd be a shoe-in for, for number one, and, and, and unfortunately, you know, and how much of this is, um, you know, a smokescreen, how much of it is, is reality to who they want to pick at number one, you know. All of us would think it's pretty obvious, uh, but granted, we, we don't work for an NFL team, I guess. I don't know. Um, but I, I, I guess what I want to move on to, I, I, there's one last question I really, you know, for a draft guy, I wanted to ask you about. I know, I think it was last week, there was a tweet or a series of tweets, um, I think it was Lewis Riddick, talking about the two top safeties in this class, Jamal Adams and Malik Hooker, how one can do one thing really well, but the other one can do everything really well. Do, do you know what I'm talking about? Yes. <laughs> do you mind just explaining that a little bit? And, and, because it, it kind of, first of all, he's blo- he blocked me, I don't know why, but... Um, <laughs> The, the second being, it, well, everybody at some point gets around to doing it um, <laughs> once they realize they see my TL. But um, can you can you explain that for those who who may be listening and may not be as uh, football or, or yeah. draft yeah. savvy? Sure. Yeah, I mean, what, what Lewis is saying, and he actually has me blocked too, and I've never tweeted him, so I don't, I'm not sure why. <laughs> it's really weird, but um, it's like ben but yeah, he, and, I, and I respect the heck out of him, so I don't, I don't know why, but uh, yeah, I've, I've, I've no issue with him. He's one of the few ESPN guys I, I actually enjoy listening to, but um, yeah, what he's saying is that Malik Hooker has this center fielding single high ability, the ability to play cover one, cover three defenses, and patrol the back end and be that player that takes away a lot of space and allows you to play an extra player in the box or closer to the line of scrimmage or in a robber role or in the slot or you know, things like that and allows you to stay in base. So it's a valuable, valuable piece. And Hooker is heralded for being able to do that uh, because he was asked to do it at a lot of Ohio State, and he did it at a pretty high level for a guy who you know was his first year starting. Um, what Adams did was play closer to the line of scrimmage, play more in the slot, occasionally would play in the box, Sometimes he was in single high coverage, but it wasn't very often. And I don't remember him flashing really a lot on tape from that perspective. But what Riddick's saying is basically if you gave Adams as many opportunities to play single high and be that center fielding ball hawk sweeper, if you will, last line out of the defense, he could do that just as well as Hooker could, but he just isn't asked to. So look at the traits and not the tape. But I would argue that I don't see that with Adams on tape, uh, even though I love Adams and he's my top safety. 
I would not want to use him in a single high type role because he's so good moving top down on the ball. And in a single high role, you're often looking sideline to sideline, moving laterally, uh, tracking the ball across the field. And and to me, Adams is such an explosive player moving straight downhill that I would want him attacking in the box, in the slot, uh, perhaps, you know, in those situations, you're taking vertical a lot less, but he can eliminate tight ends, be that mismatch eliminator in coverage. And he can do a lot of valuable things. He can play too high on the back end. You know, he can he he has ball skills. He has great instincts. He just doesn't have that range that Hooker offers. He's not that elite of an athlete like Hooker is, in my opinion. So I think Hooker's better in that role. I think he's right, though, that Hooker couldn't do everything Adams can do. And I think he's absolutely right about that. So part of his statement I agree with. I guess part of it I don't. But I don't like Hooker is not going to play in the box. He's not refined enough to play in the slot a ton right away, I don't think. And Adams is more so. So I think Hooker eventually can can play in the slot some and can match up in man coverage some. But again, it, it always comes back to with these guys is why would you want them to? Use them in the best way that they can be used. And however you value that for your defense may vary, but use them how they can best be used. You know, So to me, why would you play Hooker in an area that his strengths aren't accentuated? That's what you should be looking for as a team is to use a guy to the best of his ability, not where you want to use him or not where you – if you need a guy to play in the slot – draft Adams or, or, or Wade and don't, don't draft Hooker. If you need a guy to play single high, draft Hooker, you know, even if it's over Adams, even though I have Adams ranked higher because he's better at that at that aspect of safety play. Um, so I think that that about part of the evaluation gets buried a lot of the time. And what Lou's saying is that the, with, with Adams, he can do it all and Hooker can't. I would disagree with that a little bit, but I will say I agree that Hooker couldn't do what Adams does. He's not going to play in the box or play in the slot right away and be productive in that area. That's just not his game, and, and that's totally okay. And a final question now before we wrap up, John. Uh, you know, we we're talking about safeties there and the safety out of Connecticut, and I'm probably going to butcher his name. I've seen a lot of buzz on him over the last kind of week or so. Uh, Obi Mellon Foo. I don't know if that's how you say it or not, but he, he had a great combine process. The draft buildup's gone well for him, but he's somebody who's kind of draft stocks. One of the players who's you know started off quite uh, quiet and it's built up and built up. Uh, what do you think of him as a prospect, and uh, where do you see him coming off the board? Yeah, I think Obi was a guy that I watched him at the Senior Bowl a little bit, but I was mostly watching defense, offensive line, so I didn't get to see a ton of him. But everybody around me was raving about him and what kind of week he had. And you know, I saw him during weigh-ins, and he looks like you know he's another one looks like a Greek god. And so you tend those guys tend to get overhyped every year because of the way they look. I remember Jeff Luck, the linebacker from Cincinnati, and he was came out on I think it was at the Senior Bowl or one of the award games and he came out and everybody was like oh my gosh this guy's jacked and people started talking about him as a potential day two guy and he went undrafted and I don't think he's in the NFL anymore and so um, you know it happens every year man these guys who look good on the hoof so I thought that that would be the case with Obi, but I put on his tape actually with a negative taste in my mouth that I was trying to like fight off because I don't want to go in with that perception, but I was actually really impressed with his tape. I think he's a terrific tackler. He might be the best tackler in the draft. He's not going to light people up like Adams and some of these other guys, but you know he consistently wraps up and get guys to, gets guys to the ground efficiently. I don't know if I'd play him in the box, even though he's 6'4", 224, because he doesn't really take on blocks or have that kind of instinct in the box. You know, If you're undersized at all, you kind of have that instinct and that nose for the football, sift through trash, take good paths to the ball, kind of a natural feel. I don't know if I see that role for him. I'd play him in two high shifts. I play him in the slot against uh, man co- in man coverage against tight ends and bigger slots. The Larry Fitzgerald, Julio Jones types eventually. You know those when they teams move the big.
big receivers into the slot and you don't want to move your outside corner uh, inside, you know, just match up with OB. And he can do some things like that. And he's certainly not a liability against the run in any way. I just think a full-time box role, he's not a pseudo linebacker. He's not Daniel Buchanan. You know, he's a legit safety to me. I saw a little bit of him in single high coverage at UConn and actually flashed some. But again, it's a big leap going from the AAC to to single high coverage to the NFL. You know, it's a lot more range and a lot more route concepts coming at you quickly and a lot more vertical concepts that are more complex to diagnose. So maybe eventually he could fill a role like that. But I think he's a really good player. I think he's an early second round value for me. And I think he'll he has a shot to come off the board anywhere from Tampa at 19 to potentially even Atlanta at 31. I would say somewhere in that range he has a shot. Uh, if he fell to the second, it wouldn't surprise me. But any of those teams in that range, I could see uh, pulling the trigger on him potentially. Yeah, he's somebody I'm interested to, to see where he lands. And obviously a lot of great info uh, there with John. Uh, John's on Twitter as well at Lanyard NFL Draft. That is L-E-D-Y-A-R-D NFL Draft. Obviously the draft will, uh, a lot, hopefully all of our listeners listen to this pre-draft. Obviously then if, if it's after the draft, you'll hear some of our thoughts obviously on what we think the the prospects your team has picked up uh, what you think of them but uh, John anything else that you've got going on now over the draft time or post draft that uh, you want to give a plug uh, just before we wrap up yeah you can always check out uh, my podcast locked on NFL draft with Trevor Sikama we do that it's on audio boom and iTunes locked on NFL draft you can check that out we go five days a week uh, Monday through Friday um, we're 20 to 30 minute pods usually this week we did a first round second round and third round mock drafts what we would do mock drafts tomorrow we've got our last predictive mock draft and some bold predictions coming out uh thursday morning tomorrow morning and then um friday we'll have another podcast wrapping up the first round talking about the second round and then we're trying to sneak in an extra one to this week on saturday and uh and look at the third day and kind of who's the best players on the board who's had great classes so far and then we'll be back the next week and then if you can always find my written work at fanragsports.com or at ndtscouting.com i do some steeler stuff for scout.com steel city insider so i'm pretty much all over the place at this point in time and, and you can find my work lots of spots so uh thank you guys so much for having me on i really appreciate it always a good time talking draft with you guys and hope you enjoy it tomorrow Hi, this is Greg Rosenthal, and you're listening to the Overtime Ireland Podcast. So once again, that was John Ledger. You can follow him on Twitter at Ledger NFL Draft. That is L-E-D-Y-A-R-D NFL Draft. And uh, during the draft, I'm sure I'll be tweeting out lots of stuff as well about all the prospects as they get picked. And uh, it's uh, you know you can tell there just the, the amount of knowledge he has. I, I'm a big fan of his work, and I know Doug is as well. And listening to the podcast that he's on, reading the articles that he does, uh, just great, great work uh, as we build up to the NFL Draft. Uh, Doug, obviously, there's been a bit of news then on draft related i guess we'll call it and uh, well maybe the first one we'll mention was draft related there was a bit of pressure from the oakland raiders and marshawn lynch to decide what he was going to do in uh, regards to playing this season after he retired last year and uh, with the draft coming up they wanted to know what their rb situation was and uh, marshawn lynch has signed a two-year deal with the oakland raiders um, this is one that you know has been kind of rumbling on for a couple of weeks and uh, obviously we talk about the the offensive line in oakland how good it is obviously marshawn lynch we all talk about beast mode and you know three or four years ago yeah that was all fine and good the last time we seen him on an nfl field wasn't as impressive as we would uh, like to remember uh, and his kind of in his prime but obviously uh, the oakland raiders they say they're happy with the shape he's in and uh, obviously they think that uh, 
he has to pass a physical today, which is Wednesday, but that is expected to to not be a problem. But obviously, they're uh, happy with what Lynch can do over the next kind of season, season and a half uh, in Oakland as they try to bring uh, a championship to the Oakland Raiders. Yeah, I mean, it, it, you know, beyond the nostalgia, I'm excited. Like, I, I it, it, this is just awesome. I mean, I, I was looking at it today, and, and you know, you look at the offensive lines that that Marshawn and Lynch has has uh, run behind. Um, for his few years in, in Seattle, and they're nothing compared to what Oakland has right now. Um, you know, there's obviously plus, there's obviously positives and negatives. His age, he's 31 years old. I think he just turned it last week or this week. Um, you know, and, and he didn't have the best 2015 season. But on the flip side, he's running arguably the, the best offensive line in his career, running behind it with the Oakland Raiders. And he's also had a year to take off. You know, sometimes you just need some time to heal. So, you know, it could go either way. One, you could get out of game shape in general, or you could have time to heal. So it's really exciting. I think even in fantasy, it's going to be really, really cool to try and figure out what to do with him. But this is this is just awesome. It, it, Beast Mode is, is just one of the most fun players on and off the field. So I can't wait for this. Yeah, sometimes I think with these older players, particularly if they're taking a year off, kind of we'll see them, you know, after, uh, you know, maybe 10 or 15 snaps, you'll have an idea of is that explosiveness back in his legs, which seemed to be lacking, you know, his last kind of couple of games with the Seahawks, but obviously he was really banged up, struggled a lot with a back injury over the last year and a half of his time in Seattle. They are going to swap uh, 2018 picks, I believe. I uh, don't have it up in front of me, I think. Uh, it's going to be a seventh and a sixth that are going to be swapped and, and to get Lynch uh, all the way over to Oakland, obviously. I think it was nine million he was due before. Uh, I'm sure his contract's going to be renegotiated as he moves over to Oakland. But the the Seahawks couldn't take that uh, against their cap, so obviously they were kind of in a bind. So they done well to to get those late round draft picks next year swapped over. I think from a fantasy perspective, I think uh, you know in redraft or best ball leagues, I think there's definitely a value there to be had. And you mentioned the or we mentioned the the offensive line. I think there's definitely a, a huge potential to any running back running behind that. And then if you can if Lynch can be anywhere, if he's even seventy five percent of what he was in the past I think uh, you'll have a, a dynamic running back who's able to you know get those extra yards even after those holes if you can get him meeting somebody in the second level you know maybe a safety uh, I can see him uh, winning a lot of those battles uh, if he gets one-on-one tackled and uh, I think though if you're looking at you know dynasty wise uh, he's not somebody that I'd be looking to go out and acquire if you did have him somehow on your roster kept him for over the last few years I'd probably be trying to trade him away and see what you can get but if you are one of those teams who isn't a, you know thinks you have a chance of winning this year I think maybe you could try and put out an offer to see if you can get him I, I, one of my downstairs leagues that I'm in i seen today he was claimed off waivers the thousand dollar budget for the whole entire season and he was claimed for seven hundred dollars in that league so somebody blowing a huge chunk of their budget on Lynch and uh, obviously thinks that they're they're going to get the job done from him this year but uh, it's going to be fascinating and obviously uh, he's somebody I love to watch just because of the pure physical nature of his game another running back obviously one of the best running backs and probably uh, at the over the last couple of years he's definitely uh, one of the running backs that's going to head to the hall of fame in a time where running backs are kind of thought off in a lesser way I guess we'll say Adrian Peterson obviously I, I think he's pretty much it's clear now that he overpriced his market he thought he was going to get a lot more than he was going to get he, he obviously had the workout with the Patriots but he has signed with New Orleans Saints it's a two-year contract um, you know it, it's a strange fit it was a fit when it was rumored uh, over the last couple of days I didn't think it really fitted for his uh, running style and he's going to the Saints anyway obviously Mark Ingram's there and obviously those issues last year between Ingram and Sean Payton uh, Tim Hightower getting a healthy dose of snaps so 
Hightower has moved on, and uh, we'll see now what Peterson can do. Were you surprised at the move, uh, Doug? So, something that has taken me by surprise, and you know, a lot of fantasy players, um, you know, if they own Mark Ingram in dynasty leagues, probably were very disappointed when they heard the news. But I still think he's going to have a, a strong value this season. And you know, Adrian Peterson owners are probably delighted that he's going to be facing less stacked boxes this year. But I just didn't see it from Peterson, uh, you know, over them last couple of couple of games when he was with the Vikings. And if you look at over the last couple of seasons, he has missed a, a huge amount of time, basically over the last three years. Uh, your thoughts on uh, Adrian Peterson landing in New Orleans? Yeah, I mean, I'm not. I, I guess I'll first off by saying it's not a bad move for the Saints, uh, besides what they're paying for him, which arguably could, you know, be the biggest factor in all this. Um, you know, they they. They lost Tim Hightower. I think he, if I'm not mistaken, either he re-signed or he signed with the 49ers, yeah, uh, yeah. unless I'm mistaken. Yeah, yeah. Um, and, um, you know, he had about 150 carries to, to give. You know, yeah. they, they lost that backup guy who, when he averages out, it's a little less than 10 carries a week, uh, assuming that you play all 16 uh, games. So they definitely needed a guy. My My thing is, why now? Why so close to the draft? Because unless unless there was a situation where the Saints were or, or, Saints were in a bidding war with it with some other team that we don't know about or some other team was sniffing around at Peterson, I don't see why they couldn't have waited and reassessed after the draft and sort of see if they still need that guy. Um, it's it's just weird. You know, as much as we talk about Marshawn Lynch retiring and unretiring, he's probably a much safer bet to actually produce what he's paid and 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 asked to do than Peterson, who has dealt with multiple injuries that, like you said, kept him off the field for so long. He's just a guy who's I think he's even older. He was ineffective prior, and he's he's more of a an issue with scheme fit. Yeah, he yeah. can't operate in a shotgun formation. Uh, at least compared to being, you know, a quarterback being under center in some sort of an I formation, he used to run with a fullback all the time. And obviously, the Saints have um, John Coon, I believe. Coon. Um, so it's just weird to me. It's a weird timing. It's a weird fit because I, I think, you know, the Saints do play a good amount of shotgun. Um, this is probably, if not. I think it's the best offense he's played under uh, Peterson. That is yeah. uh, where they actually have a quarterback. They have <laughs> so actually somewhat of a decent offensive line. Actually, um, it's not a team that's ready to contend for a Super Bowl. I don't think they need a lot more work on defense. So again, that maybe is a little bit confusing. But push comes to shove. Um, I don't know Adrian Peterson. I'm not a big fan of him, especially because of his off-field issues and just his attitude in general. Yeah. But it seems like he was more after the money than actually going after a ring with this signing. So it's an interesting signing. Um, I don't necessarily agree with it um, from the Saints' perspective, at least timing-wise, being so close to the draft. Um, but we'll have to see. You know, Ingram hasn't stayed healthy, or at least hasn't been able to stay healthy all 16 games for quite some time, if ever. Last year uh, was so one of his best years yeah, for being healthy. Yeah, and, and, you know, so they'll need a guy who who can be reliable. But even then, I don't know if Peterson's the guy at that point. No. Uh, one of the best running backs all time, modern era, no doubt. But everybody everybody slows down at some point. I, I wonder if Peterson's already over his prime. 
Yeah, and you mentioned as well, obviously, with uh, being so close to the draft, the surprise. I think it's more on the Adrian Peterson side than the Saints side because if you look, he, uh, his option this year in uh, Minnesota was going to be $18 million. There was no chance he was ever going to see that money, but it was mutually agreed between him and the team that he was going to opt out of that. He went to the Patriots. Uh, obviously, the Patriots since have signed Mike Gillisley, and Mike Gillisley is going to make more in year one than Adrian Peterson. So if you look at you know that whole situation you know the Patriots obviously thought that Mike Gillisley was going to be a better running back for them in 2017 than Adrian Peterson you mentioned the scheme fit as well that's kind of what I was hinting at at a strange match between the two and uh, you know I just think if you're looking at the two of them this year uh, in fantasy football I think probably when you're looking at the values too I think I would just rather have uh, uh, Mark Ingram as the running back because if, if you look at the the Saints a lot of their the, you know you talk about Peterson struggles and pass plays um, that's never been a strength pass catch and pass protection has never really been a strong point of his either uh, throughout his career and uh, you know this year if he's in the Saints offense uh, I think he's going to be in that situation on a lot of occasions so unless it's purely running plays that he's going to be in for maybe first and second down we'll just see how that shakes out there's a long way to go obviously uh, to the start of the season the last piece of news we're going to talk about this week and it's Martavis Bryant has been conditionally reinstated into the NFL a player that there's absolutely no doubt about his abilities uh, on the field obviously he's nicknamed the alien and that's because he's kind of out of this world with some of the stuff he can do on the field and uh, you know last year we've seen uh, players come in like Kobe Hamilton had an opportunity um, I'm blanking on a few of the other guys names that were playing last year with the the Steelers but none of them really could step up and, and do it on a consistent week-to-week basis and I think if you look at uh, Antonio Brown has been like triple teamed and four teamed uh, at times and a lot of one-on-one coverage then with the other guys but they just couldn't get the job done I think with Martavis Bryant if he can stay out of trouble now get back into the NFL and he's talked this week about knowing that it's pretty much his last chance in the NFL if he slips up again so it's going to be exciting to see him back back on the field this year with the Pittsburgh Steelers um Doug your thoughts on Martavis Bryant obviously he has had his issues off the field but uh if he can get that all cleared up uh, and I guess then the next person we're waiting to hear from will be Josh Gordon <laughs> yeah it's, it's funny enough I'll just mention real quick um it's weird we saw we saw Martavis Bryant conditionally reinstated then we saw Daryl Washington yeah, conditionally reinstated. after three years he hasn't he hasn't played. He's been suspended for three years, yeah. but somehow Josh Gordon doesn't hear about anything. Yeah. It's just weird. And granted, maybe it's because you know, at heart, we're fantasy guys and we care more about that. But what Gordon did and what Ham- Washington did, two completely different situations. Um, and I, I think that Gordon, uh, you know, while he did break the rules, it, it's it's off. It's a little more silly than what Washington did. Uh, not only drug related, but also just off field stuff in general. Um, I I liked Washington as a player, but uh, obviously the stuff he did uh, got him into a lot of trouble. Yeah, no, definitely. But with Bryant, um, like you said, no question about his talent. Um, And and that's often the case with these guys. There's no question about the talent. Like Josh Gordon, no question about talent. It's a matter of are they actually going to stay reinstated? Are they going to get themselves suspended again now that they have the opportunity? Who knows? But – if Bryant can can stay healthy and on the field, I think he could he could be a real real difference maker not only in for the Steelers but for fantasy owners um, because you know he's virtually returning to the same offense that he was with uh, before you know he was suspended. You know Antonio Brown was there, Le'Veon Bell, Big Ben, and they haven't really added many guys. They haven't been able to get any other guys that sort of take up you know those targets that Bryant left behind, like you said, Kobe yeah. Hamilton, Sammy Coates, uh, DeMarcus Ayers. 
um, you know, Darius Hayward Bay. You can name them all. Um, I probably couldn't. But um, so I, I think he has a chance to to go back to the role he was in. I still think the Steelers are going to take a guy, a wide receiver, or at least a tight end. Um, I think that's which, more on coach, though. Yeah. yeah. Um, you know, I think that they still need to add playmakers. I don't. I don't know if Brian's going to put up, you know, a touchdown per game. He's a beast in the red zone, beast in the end zone. But I think he could be very, very valuable in fantasy. Not, not nearly as much as Antonio Brown or Le'Veon Bell, but I think he could be a guy who could, by the end of the season, if he plays 15, 16 games, stays on the field, stays out of trouble, he could be a top 25, 30 wide receiver Definitely. if we're talking fantasy. Well, so, he- especially in high octane offense like that. If you look at uh, today, I was doing a MFL 10 and we're in the seventh round of it. Uh, and Martavis Bryant, obviously that news came out yesterday. Uh, he was drafted in the second pick of the seventh round in that league. So you're looking at already he's at that point. So probably when it comes to the season, he's probably going to get drafted around that fifth round as the hype builds up. But you're looking at him going in that fifth round range. And then you're looking at uh, Bell and Brian going in the first round. And I think if, you, if you're looking at... I'm, I'm going to interrupt real quick yeah. because I have an important matter to speak about here with MFL 10s. Go ahead. I found out not too long ago that people who live in Massachusetts, like myself, can't play MFL 10s. There's a lot of states that that's the issue with. um... I don't care about the other states. (laughs) I care about the state that I live in. I can't play any. It's it's really crappy for a a lot of people, and uh, there's a lot of people I know on Twitter that play uh, each and every year and have had to sit out this year, and obviously... It's just down to right the Right to your congressmen. Yep. Right ex- to them. That's exactly what MFL uh, tell you. If you if you go on the website, they're, they're telling you to, to contact your congressman and tell them that you want to play. So if you are living in a state like Douglas in Massachusetts that you can't play, and I think Arizona is another one that was heavily hit this year that wasn't previously outlawed. Uh, so do write to your congressman and try and get a playing against myself. Uh, I've, I've been in a healthy dose of them so far. But I was mentioning that, you know, he's going in the, the seventh round. Even though he goes up as far as the fifth round, he has that potential to have return investment as a, as a second round kind of rated player I think he could be a top 10 uh, wide receiver this year if he can stay out of trouble and stay uh, on the field and he's somebody um, who is uh, very very exciting to watch so Doug with all the uh, kind of news uh, they were the kind of three topics I had written down for the news and uh, obviously John again I want to give him a plug uh, follow him on Twitter at Ledyard NFL Draft the draft coming up on Thursday depending on when you're listening to this uh, you might have heard some of our takes and thought, oh, well, that's a nice fit for that player uh, that, that John talked about or myself or Doug mentioned. And uh, obviously, make sure you're subscribed on iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn, or whatever way you listen to the podcast. Download multiple devices if you feel free to do so. It uh, helps uh, with our download numbers. And uh, obviously, I mentioned uh, that promo code earlier at OTI10 at NFLShopEurope.com and grab yourself some merchandise there as well. I'm on Twitter at Overtime Ireland. Doug's on Twitter at Dmore NFL. Uh, make sure you're following both of those accounts, and uh, make sure you tune in as well to Doug's new podcast, The Locker Room Guys, as well. And I'm sure there'll be more of them coming out. But Doug will be uh, tweeting out some takes from uh, Gillette for for uh, the draft. So make sure you're following him on Twitter at Dmore NFL. And until we're back with the next podcast next week, recapping the draft. Have a good one. Thank you for listening to the Overtime Ireland American Football Podcast. Please follow us on Twitter at Overtime Ireland. Check out OvertimeIreland.com and continue to spread the word. This has been an Overtime Ireland production.